0: You're listening to Shortwave from NPR. As a high-risk obstetrician, Dr. Laura Riley is used to dealing with her patient's anxiety. After all, pregnancy can be an anxiety-provoking situation. But the pandemic has ramped up the level of fear and questions way up. Am I going to get it? If I get it, what does that
1: mean? Am I going to keep my job? What kind of a life am I, you know, creating
0: for my baby? Dr. Riley is the chair of OBGYN at Weill Cornell Medicine and the obstetrician-in-chief at New York Presbyterian. And just like her patients, she's been scrambling to figure out exactly the right things to do. Literally, policies were changing every single day.
1: And it was a matter of, what are we learning about this disease? You know, can you
0: protect the patients? Can you protect the providers? It was tiring. Generally speaking, the research on pregnancy and COVID-19 has not been conclusive so far. There have been a lot of small studies, and in the U.S., the data has been spotty. Even a recent CDC report, a study with relatively large sample size of around 8,000 people, has been difficult to interpret because of gaps in the data.
1: One thing in medicine is that we like to study things and then we like to get answers, and then we like to operate based on those answers. And so that's been, I think, one of the more challenging um, pieces of it is just the sheer, you know, constantly saying, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think
0: this. So today on the show, what we know at this point about pregnancy and COVID-19, and what an obstetrician has to say about protecting yourself and the baby. You're listening to Shortwave from NPR. So, okay, Dr. Riley, million dollar question. At this point, Mm -hmm what conclusions can we draw from the available research about how dangerous COVID-19 is for pregnant women? (laughs) That is a million-dollar
1: question, right? So I would say the vast majority of the data suggests that, you know, pregnant women could get sick with COVID-19 just like anybody else. Um, Whether pregnancy itself makes you sicker, I think, the jury's still out. I think that the new CDC data certainly raises concern, although
0: I don't know that we're,
1: there's enough data to, to really suggest that. There
0: is one finding from the CDC study that Dr. Riley is particularly concerned about, that pregnant women with the virus seem to have a substantially higher chance of being put on a ventilator, though Dr. Riley says that was based on a relatively small number of patients.
1: I think the other thing that I remain concerned about is women who have other conditions that we know do not do well with COVID-19, like diabetes, Mm -hmm. lung disease. Whether or not you put that together with pregnancy and COVID-19,
0: I think that might be worse, but we still don't know that even have you had any pregnant COVID patients? And, you know, what What have you been seeing with those patients and, and how they're faring? Give us kind of an idea. So we've had
1: several um, COVID positive
0: mothers. Um, we did see, you know, several
1: women who were um, what I would say, you know, pretty sick. We only had about three or four in the intensive care unit. And then we saw a bunch of women who had no symptoms, no idea that they were COVID positive, but were positive. Mm -hmm. And that gave us the sense that it was really important to do this testing because there are many people who are essentially asymptomatic or people who had symptoms that were just so mild. Um, you know, a little short of breath, um, you know maybe a little bit of a cough if you know they exerted themselves, kind of thing, but that can be overlapped with mm-hmm. pregnancy, right, and the vast majority of those women did quite well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all babies did well, gotcha, so that is something um that I think is important and helpful to to women to know is that. At least, you know, in the beginning, we saw, I would say in the NYP system, about 200, 300 babies now born to COVID positive mothers and like one positive or something, Um, just not the numbers that people were afraid of. So what we can say about it is that at least for women who got it in the third trimester of pregnancy, we have not seen a lot of transmissions. I think the things that are yet to be known are, you know, sort of, are there transmissions for women who got it earlier in pregnancy in the first trimester or the second trimester? And I think we don't know that yet. Those people haven't delivered, um, but it'll be interesting to monitor that.
0: Yeah. So you recently co-authored Pandemic Guidelines for Practitioners and Patients for the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. So tell me, Dr. Riley, what can pregnant women do to protect themselves and their babies? Like, what are you telling your own patients right now?
1: Um, So I I tell them that the protective equipment um, and all of the prevention strategies that have been suggested actually work. And I think we now have data that that's the case, right? We know that wearing a mask and washing your hands frequently, limiting your exposures so you know maintaining social distancing all seem to decrease the likelihood that you'll get infected. I think also I tell pregnant women when when the opportunity is available to you, I think it's important to get outside
0: it's important to you know sort of not lose your mind you know being cooped up. yeah okay so Dr. Riley, since we have an actual doctor on the line we got some listener questions that we wanted Mm -hmm. to run by you Uh, is it okay with you if we turn this into a doctor's visit real quick absolutely (laughs) okay so this is an interesting question that i think i've I've heard kind of floating around especially in my age demographic which is should i even get pregnant during a pandemic you know if you're if you're trying to plan your life is this a time to say well maybe now is not the time many patients will ask me that um i think it's a Mm -hmm. fair
1: question i i also think that it is, um, it's difficult for me to say that you should put your life on hold indefinitely because it's unclear to me sort of when this is quote unquote over. Um, I think that it may be that we need to continue to take these kinds of precautions for a really long time, um, even when there's a vaccine. Um, So I, I don't know that now is the time, you know, to say, Oh, I'm going to wait until, you know, what, 2022, 2023, that may not be um, for all sorts of medical
0: reasons, the right thing to do depending on what your age is. Gotcha. Gotcha. And and we got another question that I thought was was made a lot of sense. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. To our, like, all of your questions made sense, listeners, if you're listening. Okay. so <laughs> there's another question, a question about how to decide who can visit a newborn. Like how Mm. much, when, do you have advice about what kinds of precautions new parents should be taking? I mean, it's kind of a hard time to have a baby and then not be able to have people around you to support you and celebrate that, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that this
1: is one of those things that just sort of adds to the anxiety and the difficulty of sort of having a baby in a pandemic. So you do need to think about those things um, when you're making that decision from the last um, question. But what I've been saying to patients is that, you know, you do need to minimize those exposures, right? So the same way that we wanted to keep, you know, women and children safe during the midst of really high numbers of, you know, exposures, we were saying stay at home and, you know, wash all those high touch, you know, surfaces. So yes, people can be tested, but you know how practical is it for them to be tested every single time they want to come visit but you know i understand that there is a balance there um, between people coming just to you know see the baby in which case there's zoom um, versus people coming to help you and support you Um, and and that may be you know a reason that you have to take that little bit of risk but again if they take precautions it should decrease the risk
0: Okay Dr. Riley, so obviously not all pregnant women can afford the luxury of, of staying yeah, home, right? Exactly. so so what are kinds of challenges you're seeing your patients have to deal with during this pandemic, and how are you trying to kind of support them through that? Yeah, so you know, in
1: my own mind, I worry most about those women who are literally the frontline workers, right? So Mm -hmm. not so much the frontline healthcare workers, which, yeah, I worry about them too because of the exposures, but they can take precautions with, you know, masks and gowns and gloves and, you know, knowledge and, you know, all of that. I worry about the people who are the food service workers, the mass transit workers, you know, people who will not be able to necessarily clearly one can't do their job from home and Mm -hmm. two may not have all the protection that they need and deserve Mm -hmm. and then three don't have the luxury to say you know what this job is too high risk so you know i remain very worried about that group of patients and in this country a lot
0: of that group of patients is you know black and latinx so what kind of conversations are you having with those people? What's your role in trying to support them? So I think
1: that you know, this is where I go over as much as I possibly can, what prevention strategies people can take. But just also recognize that um, it's just not that easy to say, oh, you should stay home. I'm very cautious about saying things like that, because um, that may not be appropriate. Right? Um, right? Oh, you should stay home may mean that you have no way of eating. I think also we've been very slow in medicine and really actually quite reluctant in healthcare in general to deal with the social determinants of health. I think people are like, yeah, talking about it, but no one really wants to ask the questions because of course, if you ask the questions, you'll get answers that you don't necessarily want um, and don't know how to deal with. But I think that this pandemic has definitely shown us that one, it's important to ask And two, there are things that we can do. It's gonna force us to work within our communities to to see if we can help people. Um, It's not just food insecurity, it's that lack of transportation, it's that need to continue to work. You know, I feel like obstetrician gynecologists need to advocate for those women who are working in Walmart or working in wherever um, who need to work to make sure that they have masks to make sure that they're able to take those breaks to make sure that there's a you know that their employers are helping them with transportation or you know whatever the issues are. I do think that that we can have a role there. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Okay, Dr. Laura Riley, I I really appreciate you. I appreciate your time and I and I know our listeners do too. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks
1: for asking, because I think that it's it's interesting. I can say these things in the office, but if I say it on NPR, people actually find it more believable. (laughs) Patients are like, oh, I read about that, or oh, I heard you on the radio. I'm like, I told you that like an hour
0: and a half ago, but I'm glad it's more believable on NPR. There we go. (laughs) This episode was produced by Yo-Wei Shaw and edited by Deborah George. Rebecca Ramirez checked the facts. I'm Maddie Safaya, and you've been listening to Shortwave from NPR.